how are you feeling right now? Like right now, what's your mood? Are you feeling happy? Are you feeling a little down? Are you feeling a little sad? Are you feeling excited, enthusiastic? A lot of these things have to do with your mental framework. It has to do with the way that you're looking at life, your outlook, and a lot of that is a choice. And a lot of this podcast is gonna cover a lot of those mental frameworks and those understandings. And that's probably one of the most important things you can do to help your mood. But the body is also the generator of your mood states. Neurotransmitters like serotonin actually do affect mood. And that's one of the things that we targeted when I created New Mood originally with the help of all the research, finding ways to actually support the body to generate the best mood. And that's gonna be in supporting the release of stress and supporting the abundance of serotonin through the utilization of targeted supplements. And New Mood is just the best well-rounded supplement to help support your stress and help support your mood. So if you haven't tried it yet, I implore you guys to try it, whether that means you just haven't slept well that night or whether that just means you want the constant support of your body's ability to generate the best mood possible and release some of those daily stressors that you feel. So definitely check it out. Go to onnit.com slash Aubrey and you'll save 10% on everything. And I really appreciate everybody who goes to onnit.com slash Aubrey and does your Onnit shopping through that page. And that lets people know that you're listening to the show. So thank you so much for all your support and enjoy the show. The amazing thing about having Ramdas exist as a spiritual master in our lifetime is we actually get to talk to the people who knew him. And probably there was very few people who knew him better than Ragu Marcus. 51 years he spent by Ramdas' side. He got to know his guru, Maharaji, Neem Karoli Baba. He got to know all of the stories. And it's just beautiful to talk to somebody who's gone through their own spiritual journey and also been so close to a spiritual master like Ramdas that I revere with the utmost respect. So this conversation was phenomenal for me on multiple different levels. And I really am excited to release this for you guys. How you doing, Raga? I'm okay, which doesn't say much of anything. Been a <laughs> rough month, to say the very least. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we, we were just talking about impermanence before we got on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, been a lot of that. A lot of dealing with more than one plane at a time. You know, the plane of grief. For, for those of you who don't know, I run Ramdas's Love Server Member Foundation. And, you've, and you knew him for 51 years. And I knew him for 51 years. Yep, I do. And well, you're the right person to run the organization. <laughs> no, I don't think him, that's the qualification many people knew. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he passed December 22nd. Mm-hmm. And then maybe two weeks ago, his Indian brother, the man who when he first went to India and met Neem Karoli Baba, his guru, our guru, this man was the translator. And... Ninkaroli Baba, who we call Maharaji, just a nickname, said, okay, his name was KK, KK, take Ramdas back, who was Richard Alpert, in that moment still, right? Take him back to your house and take care of him. From that moment on to three weeks ago, or when Ramdas left, they were like the most close brothers. I don't even, it, there's no word I could put about how close they are. Actually, uh, we just found some letters as we're going through now, and of course, collecting all of Ramdas's mm-hmm. letters, memorabilia, and and in there was the most profound 
exchange of love between these two humans. It was just fantastic. Uh, it's actually it's going to be on ramdas.org on the on the homepage excerpts from that uh, from those letters. They're Beautiful. extraordinary. So he went because he said I'm not I can't stay if he's gone. I'm he actually said that when I called him and told him what happened you know, with Ramdas. So in that situation, there it's it's very interesting when people have this sort of consciousness around passing because most of us think of death as uh, it just kind of happens accidentally. But you hear cases of this in in certain relationships, and this seems like oh, one of those yeah. relationships where someone's all like, the time, yeah, all the time. But that kind of, that is uh, that in and of itself is a little bit paradigm shattering because most of us are like afraid, 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 afraid. Oh, whoops. Yeah, right. You know, but but there's, you know, when you reach a certain level of, I suppose, consciousness or whatever you want to call it, you can start to take a little bit more agency over that process, potentially. The other thing that's going, yeah, that's all true, I think. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that's going on, he's been with this KK, Ramdas's brother from India, Indian brother. He's been with this realized, he, he, seven years old, he met Neem Karoli Baba. That was in maybe around early 40s, okay? And all the way, was close to him and the whole thing, right? Saw, there's no birth, there's birth, you know, there's sickness, there's old age, there's death. He knew all of that, like in his soul. So for him to say, hey, I'm checking out. I mean, he'd say it like that. He said, I have nothing to live for when I called him now. He was acted out on that kind of plane of consciousness. It's the same plane where grief happens, mm-hmm. right? But what Ramdas was all about was, he used to say all the time, you can live on more than one plane of consciousness at the same time. So there's the grief plane, and then there's that other plane where we do understand in some deep part of ourselves that we are not this thing that we're identifying with and there is an incarnation that repeats in order for us to get it right Mm. over a span of time that we could never imagine and we could never understand this with our mind so but that is a something and you know we all know it i mean we might know it through psychedelics right Mm mm-hmm through a piece of music, a book, something happens that, that's that ineffable thing that you can't describe. And then you start to trust that thing, which is what happened with me when I first met Ram Dass, when I, oh, shit, that's what I've been waiting for to hear all this time. Yeah. Truth. So, yeah, I think it's a good thing to realize that and, and help you not stay stuck in one or the other. Because... You can get stuck in grief. Many, of course, we all do, right? But on the other level, that other plane of consciousness, you get stuck too much in your head. Ah, it's okay. We're all just body. Mm-hmm. We're not yeah, these body. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, that yeah. kind of bypassing. Mm. So it's it's loving all of the planes of existence that you're in and not yeah. being stuck, being fluid. Yeah. To be able to to access those different planes. So if if you're like, look, I've I'm in this grief thing and it's here, and let's go back to this spiritual plane where the unborn and the undying yeah. is real and exists. And yeah. I feel that part and there is no grief in that plane. And, but it's not ignoring, it's just being able to access yourself on all those planes and doing it with some awareness mm. rather than just, 
well, I took these mushrooms and I got to here and now I'm back to, you know, my self-doubt and lack of self-worth and lack of self-love and I'm back to this plane and I'm stuck and maybe the mushrooms will liberate me, but the mushrooms can give you, and I think that was a great way that Ramdas described it, just give you something that can pry you out of this, give you an idea of what's possible. But the ultimate goal is to have the ability to use choice to access yourself on these different levels to a certain degree. Yeah, yeah. But he also used to say that psychedelic experience is a great facsimile of the real deal, but it's still a facsimile. Mm-hmm. Okay. That fucked me up actually when he was telling me about oh, yeah? that because it was true. But like the thing about the psychedelic experience, so you do 5-MeO-DMT and it feels like, it feels like for me, this is my personal experience, it feels like you merge with the unicity. But when he was talking, I think it's Astral Fun and Games. That's yes, the, that's, that's the, right. That's, that's the right. podcast yeah. that I was listening to. And he's talking about, well, that's a loca. That's a plane of existence where you get to experience what it feels like to feel the unicity. But it's not the actual samadhi. It's not mm. the actual experience of yeah. unicity. It's yeah. you're accessing the feeling of it, which is still valuable. Absolutely. Super oh, valuable. Absolutely. But don't, don't confuse it. Yeah. Because at the same because then I'm realizing like, yeah, actually, because I was still witnessing myself experience that. Mm-hmm. So I was still watching myself there. I wasn't fully embodying it because I'm still watching myself experience it going, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, right, you know, yeah, exactly. like if I'm really there, exactly. I'm not going, oh, wow. Because <laughs> yeah, no. the oh, wow part is still the me yeah. that's experiencing exactly, it. Exactly, yeah. Um, you know, when Ramdas gave that white lightning acid to Neem Karoli Bama. Like 1,200 micrograms or yeah. something like that? So it happened twice, two different times. The first time he was there and then when he went back. So the first time it happened, you know. Were you there for any of those? No, I was no. not there for any of them. Um, the first time it happened, he nothing happened. But then when Ramdas went home, he went back to America, he thought, shit, I wonder if he... Maybe it was a sleight of hand, like he threw the things, you know, over his shoulder. I thought they were going in his mouth. He he thought this. He th- so then he got doubt. I, you know what? Maybe something. What's going on? Yeah. So he goes back the second time. The second time, and uh, Krishnadas, who you know, I believe was with him at that time. Maharaji says, "Do you have any of that uh, yogi medicine?" He called it yogi medicine acid. Ramdas said, "Yeah," because he was all prepared because he wanted this to happen, right? Mm-hmm. So he said, well, give me, and, and he gave him one. No, no, give me. He gave him a few. Okay, so then he picked each one up in his fingers and stuck his tongue out, put it on his tongue, and swallowed it and said to Ram Dass, did I do that right? Wow, so he knew. <laughs> yeah, he knew. <laughs> he knew. Yeah. But anyhow, so but more to the point is what he said. This allows you to have, uh, be in the presence of Christ, mm. right? For a couple hours. But then you got to come down. You got to go back. Better to do it naturally, feed people and love them. That's what he said. So, but we did get the message that it's an opener, obviously, and it's something that helps people understand the absolute integration of everything that, uh, is possibly manifest in this universe. Yeah, sure. You know, that that idea of using these experiences to just 
open you up to other experiences has been something that's radically shifted my life because I just spent time and we haven't gotten to talk about my recent journey. Yeah. Maybe you followed along, I followed a little. but yeah. I spent time, uh, six days, like pretty much a full week in absolute darkness and silence, you know, pitch black, like jet black darkness. And it was a, the most powerful journey. Well, I I've saw ever. you in an ice bath and I'm going, what the fuck? Yeah. So I was underwater in an ice bath. All that, all that stuff is, you know, those, that's all fun. Yeah. Uh, challenging, but fun. But then the darkness was the mm. darkness was the real medicine. And I think one of the biggest takeaways from that was something that I think Ramdas's teachings helped put me together, which was understanding that my mom to me is the closest person that I've ever known to provide unconditional love. Mm. How what a blessing that that's Beyond my baby. mom. Now still, wow. consistently, through the whole through my whole 38 year life, like people ask my mom, and I've told this story before on the podcast, but I'll tell it again. People, you know, I have some success now, you know, I've done some things and mm -hmm. people will come up to my mom and say, oh, aren't you so proud of Aubrey? And she'll just look at him like with a puzzled look on her face and go, what do you mean? I've always been proud of Aubrey. <laughs> like, wow. it's like, the, it's the most, it's the closest that, and, and obviously there's different you know, ways that someone like Neem Karoli Baba can reach this state of unconditional love and on the spiritual plane. But as far as like from a human perspective, it's been the purest love that I could ever feel. And same with my grandma, right? So beautiful. But I didn't really realize how the potential of me leaning into that love could actually teach me about love. Like that love, you always think of like, oh, love, well, I got to find that with someone I'm having sex with or my girlfriend or yeah. whatever. But just like you and Ramdas used Neem Karoli Baba's love to show you about love, and Ramdas talks about it with his dying aunt and all of these people that he that he fell in love with, fell yeah. not fell, but rose to the state of love, that actualization of love with of any variety of people, which can then be the thing that informs us about love. The I don't think there's anything whatsoever. You made a difference between that unconditional love from your mother and your grandmother and the kind of in unconditional love that exists in, in a Neem Karoli Baba body. It's not. It's the same thing. I don't... Yeah, there's no difference whatsoever. There can only be one, one thing going on. There can't be two things going on. Absolutely. So yeah, there is no difference absolutely no difference whatsoever man you know i mean it's that place where there's it's a one-way street uh, that was my uh, now i did not experience that i mean uh, my, i had a, a really incredible aunt i don't remember my mother i remember my aunt who was that for me when mm -hmm. i was more baby or young young kid but uh you know when i first met that thing and i call it a thing because the first thing that happened meeting Neem Karoli Baba was I realized it was a one-way street. I was not having this kind of a dialogue or the kind of dialogue we have with any human. There's always, there's a bit of jousting, you know, and it could be in good spirit, mm. but there's a two, the two is going on. In this case, it's only a one and, and you're just in that field. And it, it, that, the unconditionality of it, the, the way in which nothing was wanted in return, right? And that's the same thing you're talking about. It's like, uh, even just hearing you say it is, it makes me emotional to realize that that's been something that's been there. And I've, ha and I've been, but I've been 
blind to it to a certain degree. I've known mm. it's there, but I haven't known the power of it. Mm. And also, there was some part of me that didn't feel worthy of receiving it. You know what I mean? Like mm. it's like I yeah. didn't quite feel worthy of receiving it, so I let it come in skin deep and every once in a while get a little deeper but i was like i don't deserve that like like when like the story of ramdas when he first you know when when maharaji says love everyone tell the truth like i got too many judgments i got all these i got all these things like i don't deserve that love i'm not ready i shouldn't be loved you said i can't i cannot love everyone and tell the truth i mean think of that think of us doing that right telling the truth but you can do it in a, in a way that the other person isn't going to um, be hurt. That's extraordinarily difficult. So, and, and certainly difficult when you've, you know, you're identifying with your story, right? Yeah. Which is you identifying with your story, I am not good enough to receive this thing. This unconditional love. My day-to-day when I first met Neem Karoli Baba. That was my day to day. To day. Mm. Okay, he's going to throw me the fuck out of here because I'm <laughs> such a piece of shit. I can't even, you know. I waited. You know, it didn't didn't happen. But thank God. Uh, but yeah, that that that's just the stories that, that we're telling ourselves. It's, it's something else. Believing in these thoughts, right? It really, it really is, and, it, and I think that was a, that's such a beautiful and kind thing that you said that actually strengthens this so much. Because you know, Ramdas talks about the guru, and, and we're in a time now where guru isn't really something that we identify with. You know, right? Like it's not a time. It's not. It's almost like not even the era of guru to a, to a strange degree. Uh, I don't know about that. I mean, it is true, and I've been saying what you've been saying, but I'm countering myself. Okay. Thich Nhat Hanh, you know the great Vietnamese? I do, yeah. He said, uh, the next Buddha is the Sangha. The next guru is the satsang, the community of like-minded souls. Right? Uh-huh. That's, that's what... So the guru so has I, shifted. No, it's saying, uh, I like for us, we're, what Ramdas, for instance, who, although never called himself a guru, and anybody who called him a guru, he said, I am not a guru. Neem Karoli Baba is a guru. But he... Um, he would say, here we are together. Like we'd be in Maui. I wish you would have come there one of these times. Yeah. And the way that we shared that heart was exactly what you're describing with your mother. But we felt good about ourselves because of so many of us were there. Mm. That's what satsang is. It supports that place. Whereas if you're all alone, you get lost in your identity and your story and everything and you, you know, you do what you did, which didn't do anything. Your mother didn't stop, right? She no. kept doing it, yeah. no matter what you did, which is the whole point of the thing. And that's the satsang reflects the nature of that one thing, which is that selfless love that, I mean, it's a shit word too, love. And that's, and that's I think, like, it's like reframing, well, there's barnacles on all these words, yeah, yeah, God, right, love, yeah, everything. Yeah, right. It's like, it's like a, it's like a whale that's been swimming for so long that it's all barnacles and you can hardly see that it's a beautiful blue whale underneath it. But, you know, you're just so yeah. lost in the, in all the things that have been attached to it. Yeah. But thinking of the guru in, in a variety of different ways, besides it being just one person, which you guys got to experience that in a person, you know, yeah. which is Maharaji, but thinking that, okay, my mom and the way that she loves me, that's guru. 
And like the community, even that community, the little community that we formed in Poland going through the ice. And it's just a band of brothers who are doing extreme things and supporting each other. Like the radical support for everybody. Like there was one of our our brothers there, Humble the Poet, who didn't even know how to swim. Humble the Poet was there? Yeah. Oh, I know him. You know him? Yeah, I did a a podcast with him. He's great. He doesn't doesn't know how to swim. (laughs) And he jumped into a frozen waterfall. And all of us were there to support him. He wouldn't have jumped into a frozen waterfall on his own, but because all of our brothers were there, mm-hmm. and there would have been twelve other people if he had any if he had any difficult, all twelve of us would have jumped in there, yeah. you know. And it was like that community created a sense of love and mm-hmm. support, mm-hmm. where no matter what anybody was mm-hmm. doing, whether they exactly. went fifteen yeah. seconds in the water or they went three minutes in the water, it didn't matter. It was just like supporting that was a kind of a satsang it was yeah. kind of a community kind of, kind of it, it was yeah i mean yeah this is what ramdas brought back when he left uh, one thing i posted was you know ramdas has brought us the kind of mixture of like a satsang like one you know one pointed one-minded people okay just one mind but family adds another dimension to that. It just makes it, there's a warmth to it, you know? When you just hear that word, you feel comfy. You know, I feel safe now. And I'm, family is here. And then it extends out to strangers you don't necessarily know, except that they're, they're all wanting what you want, is to mm. share that heart space, right? So he brought that back in spades, you know? Yeah. And it's all the mo- and you know, we're, as you can imagine, getting tremendous influx over the last month from everybody around the world and the publicity on it it was extraordinary i i didn't know quite wow you know it just was so just a tsunami and we even put a uh, a, a um, an email address where they could write to to tell their story mm. like immediate like a thousand people just out of it we're actually now taking it and going well we'll put a little book together remarkable encounters with ramdas it'll be called wow. and you know just that's more of people sharing and uh and everybody was like you know it was a big hey keep keep this going because since he left i can feel him around when i'm just with other people and we're just talking about him or it or whatever and uh you know so ramdas gives the kind of uh extraordinary motivation for me in particular to to do this rather than go off to india and find a cave somewhere which mm. i have thought of in the last month let me tell you mm. when it was just okay mm. in india they say bas hogya enough already <laughs> you know i've reached my max quota of dukkha suffering mm. yeah i think that idea that everything that he really was the essence of him while his body left the essence of him that lives on through everything that we're so fortunate that was captured all the speeches all the talks the physical encounters everything that that is going to live on forever and may actually grow and, and should and will it is for me i mean i'm and i'm someone who's been on the this path and i came to his teachings later than many you know, mm. but there's many who haven't even haven't even started, and and, yeah. and it's just interesting how that's it's continuing to blossom. You know, just mm. hearing 
just hearing him talk and like reading his work and like understanding and then meeting people who've met him and it's uh it's a beautiful thing that you realize that even though his body is is no longer here who he is ramdas is here yeah he's here so one of the things we're talking about here is a satsang and that is a group of like-minded people getting together for the expansion of communal consciousness and it's just so helpful to have that group of people that is going through the same journey as you that can really relate that can really see you and that's one of the things that we've really tried to cultivate and succeeded in cultivating with the fit for service mastermind so if you're called to that ever-present satsang people that you can reach out to in a vulnerable way in a celebratory way about everything that you're going through i encourage you guys to check it out Go to aubreymarcus.com slash fit for service. Applications will be opening up periodically throughout the year. And just put your email down on the wait list, check it out. And if you're called to it, then apply. So that's aubreymarcus.com slash fit for service. And it's more than one level. It's the level, as you said, there's all, I mean, all of these talks are recorded and it's extraordinary. I think we have in the library over 15,000 titles. Mm-hmm of one guy okay so we do have all of that um and and it's to me and the first time i heard him was i was running a radio station as a kid and you know 22 three year old in montreal where i'm from and they asked me to promote his i'm telling you a story you didn't ask for but it'll help point okay mm. and they asked me to promote him uh doing a lecture at mcgill university so i I said, like, who's that? You know, and they went, oh, Albert and Leary. Oh, yes. You know, we love them. Send me over a tape. And they sent me a tape of a previous talk. And I went in the studio and I listened to this thing. And that was, the, that was a demarcation point in my life. Mm-hmm. Okay. He had a way of transmitting that kind of knowledge because of his psychological brain, sure. you know, professor, all that. And his way, he would absorb many different things, you know, even though, because with Neem Karoli Baba, when he met him, he, yes, he was Hindu. When I first went there, all he talked about was Christ. So he was not, and I'm Jewish, so it was not, you know, what? You know? So, uh, yeah, uh, Ramdas just had a smorgasbord yeah. of traditions that he absorbed and then translated to us in the West in a way that we get it yeah, easier than just about anybody. I mean, people love Alan Watts and they, he's in that kind of um, same tradition of being able to transmit, Mm. you know, for him more the Zen thing. Um, That's not going anywhere. People Mm -hmm. have access, right? Be a read, be here now, take some acid and then, Oh, Ramdas. Oh, let me listen to, Mm -hmm. you know, and we are making it more and more accessible and more and more uh, easily findable whatever it is you want because he covered so all of the gamut of subjects you know yeah. that that would help but there's another level the level of behind him and behind us all and this is very it's sounding woohoo as i say it but Neem Karoli Baba, that thing, whatever that is, and I really don't know what that is. I met it in a body, had a body, and had a personality, and did all this Threw stuff. Threw apples at people? Yeah. It yeah. And around. called them 
awful names as well. <laughs> I mean, he had a mouth, right? Uh, but I, you know, I can't tell you what, what it what is, except, I mean, I don't know. I guess they, the, the grand intelligence decides to manifest some part of itself in order to do something that we have no idea about. In this case, a bunch of us were there and we all came back to America and are doing different things that maybe, you know, people are gravitating towards that make sense for them and have opened their lives up in a way that, so I don't know. That's the only thing I can think of because otherwise we were, we were the kind of people who you needed to be hit over the head with a hammer to get through Yes, you are not your thoughts, you are not your emotions, you are not your body. Okay? Stop. And we stopped. And then from there, we were able to absorb, as Ramdas is the biggest great example of it, uh, absorb all of these traditions, as I said, and be able to elucidate it so that you can practically change your perspective. Mm. And without changing perspective... We are lost if we continue to use that, think that the brain, which, you know, the intellect in the West, I mean, that's what it's all about, right? Sure. Gives us a little bit of a leverage to get out of that. That's why his his last thing, Ramdas, was all about, you know, move to loving awareness in the center of your chest from just move out of your ego mind, you know, take some deep breaths into the center of your chest. I am loving awareness Mm -hmm. i am not this judging mind that takes off on on a whim and takes us for a ride right yeah and once that happens life gets way better oh yeah that is true oh yeah i think one of the things that i love when i hear the stories of neem karoli baba is his seeming playfulness you know and it's that's the to me that's the signature i've always said you can you know, you can tell a spiritual master by the sound of their laughter. Like if you're not laughing, you know, I don't think you quite got it. I don't think you quite got that. This is, this is, this is fun. You know, like this is, this is all, this is, yes, it's can be serious and you can get to that plane where everything is very serious and it's all life or death, but it's also fun. It's like, we're here to, we're here to like experience and enjoy. And I actually had an encounter with in the darkness, you start to see visions, visions mm. that are as strong as any ayahuasca I've taken. Maybe not peak ayahuasca or DMT, but like DMT-like mm. intense visions. And I had an encounter, and I've never had an encounter with Buddha before. Wow. So Buddha comes, shining golden. I'm, and I'm not Buddhist, but I mean, I, there's probably Buddhas in this house we're recording in, right? Well, like you love the Buddha. Like, but I love Buddha. Love Who doesn't love Buddha? So I see Buddha. I was like, whoa, Buddha. Wow. And Buddha was smiling. And I said, Buddha, why are you smiling? And Buddha says, why aren't you smiling? And I go, oh, yeah. And then I see Buddha laughing. And I go, Buddha, why are you laughing? He goes, why aren't you laughing? Mm. And then we just looked at each other for a minute, smiling and laughing. And then Buddha was gone out of my vision space. Mm. But it was this idea like the... the the wisdom that this Buddha, whether perhaps is my mind, whatever, but didn't feel like that. You know, I always put that caveat out there. It felt like a real encounter, but whatever. But the wisdom was very simple. Like, I'm smiling and I'm laughing and you should be too. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you really, if you really get it, if you really get that your love, 
you know you are loving awareness then you're looking at all these things that are so troublesome and we get so neurotic about and we get so worried about self-serious and so self-serious but you look at buddha and buddha says why aren't you smiling Mm. why aren't you laughing and that's buddha nature yeah yeah well and another thing that ramdas represents is a sense of humor what did he say in the movie you saw uh, becoming Becoming nobody Nobody. yeah uh something like two things are necessary you get these two things you're cool (laughs) love and humor (laughs) that's it that's it right that's it yeah especially about you know i mean the self-serious stuff is really tough you know because we're judging ourselves and we're reacting to stuff and polarizing on on a moment-to-moment basis you know so if you can just put a crowbar the crowbar of humor and just just get a little bit of leverage then you see oh yeah it's okay (laughs) right okay right Uh, be here now (laughs) all right yeah 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 humor very important humor is very it's it is it feels like to me when i look at my own life and i look at myself when i'm the most free there is a there is a kind of a scoundrelly sense of humor you know there's Mm -hmm. a scoundrelly sense of humor that's like it's so and i feel so alive and i feel so free and it feels like that's that's my soul when my when i'm really my soul is really embodying and permeating the self Mm. Mm. and i'm identified as that it's it's so fun and so funny but I don't, I'm, I'm not there that often, you know, but I know when I'm there and it's like, oh yeah, mm. it's all so much. It's all so impossible for the brain to understand that mm. the only logical response is just to laugh and love mm. exactly what he was saying. Yeah. Practice though, to be able, you say I'm there sometimes. So that's the whole point of practice is to increase the spaciousness of that sometimes mm-hmm. so that there's moment to moment connectivity. Yeah. You know, so that's a, a toughie because it's difficult for people to, in this day and age, especially, right, to, f- to just get concentration where you're focused on one point and your discursive mind isn't as crazy as it normally is and then it keeps coming down the more you do it and then that's what insight meditation the vipassana thing's all Mm -hmm. about once you get to that point then you can expand that through this spaciousness because your mind is not you know you're not oh gone oh that was 10 minutes Mm. 15 minutes you know so yeah the practice is a big part of this big big you know by the way you just mentioned the Buddha. When you said that, okay, this is really crazy hmm. to admit this on, on your podcast. While all of this stuff has been going on, the death and this loss and all of it, and the new year and, uh, you know, the uh, responding to so much, it's not just me and the people around me, it's coming from across the world, this the grief and the expectation of response and being together. How can we be together? Because I don't want to be alone, you know. Sure. Somebody, a friend of mine said, hey, uh, there's a really great series on Netflix. You ought to watch it. I go, what's that? She goes, Buddha. It's a kind of Bollywood Indian T 
TV series depiction of the life of the Buddha with Indian actors and all of the kind of jewelry and costuming from whenever mm-hmm. that 5,000 years ago, whatever it was, mm-hmm. whatever they imagine it was. It is so schlocky. I mean, it is corny beyond corny. It's, un- it's unbelievable. But there's something. I got attached to the Buddha. Like the Buddha is so powerful. He can even come through this Bollywood schlock of a series <laughs> and touched me. Maybe it was because I was so bereft. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you were open. Yeah, yeah, I was wide open. You should, I'm telling you, everybody out there, watch it, especially if you're going through anything because it is so lighthearted. It's got all kinds of adventure and the... Because he, Buddha, of course, came from a, you know, uh, he was the son of the king of, a, of an area of India at the time. And it's a fascinating story how his father kept him from any kind of suffering. No old age, no disease, no nothing. He moved all the old people out of the city. He, he created another city. And wow, what a, what a wild myth. Yeah, that is. Well, I don't know. I mean, you know, I'm not saying that it's not true, but it's like I don't know. It's like a, it's like a mythological parable of like trying to remove all suffering, and then the reaction to that is to actually embrace and love all suffering, which is the way that you actually remove suffering yeah. is backwards from what the father was doing. Yeah. Which, but the backwards way that it was trying to be indoctrinated actually probably facilitated the forwards exactly. way. Yeah, when you look the, at it like that, yeah, it's perfect. It's, it's perfect. perfect. Yeah, <laughs> it's perfect. So, I love Buddha. Buddha. I mean, actually, uh, the our tradition, if you would call it that, I don't know. But really, Neem Karoli Baba, although he was Hindu, I said before, he, I mean, he talked to us on and on. He went on about Christ. I mean, it's a famous story that, that uh, I asked him after just being there a few days, like, I figured you'd meet a Hindu guru, you'd get a mantra. But I didn't say, can you give me a mantra? I said, can you tell me how to meditate? I'll take anything. He said, yeah, meditate like Christ. When he was nailed to the cross, he felt no pain, only love. I'm like, no, I can't even, I don't, you know. I mean, I went to Jewish parochial school, half the subjects in Hebrew, half in English. Do you ever take geography in Hebrew? Think of it, Aubrey. Wow. Uh, It was horrible. So (laughs) anyhow, so I had no relationship whatsoever with Christ. So Ramdas came. He wasn't there. He came the next day. I said, well, you have a convivial relationship with him. You can talk to him. I'm, as, I'm like, huh? You know. Mm-hmm. He goes back the next day. He says, he said, meditate like Christ. Well, how did he meditate? So Maharaji just went like this. Closed his eyes. Sat back. And we're all sitting around. It was actually Krishnas, who you know as well. And a few others. Just like five or six uh, young Westerners with Ramdas. And then tears came from his eyes, and he opened them. And we, you know when you're a kid and your parents are crying, you don't know what the hell's going on. We mm-hmm. became like that. And he said over and over, he never died. You don't understand. He never died. This is all through a translator, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was lost in love with every sentient being. He never died. And he went on from there. And we all had total experience of what Christ is 
wow. the Christ, right, in that moment. And uh, so there was certainly nothing about him being Hindu. He was all about, there's only one thing going. He would say in Hindu, in Hindu, in Hindi, subek, all one, all one. Mm. He, we'd sit down, he'd go, subek, you know, like that. Because mm. he never, he was always, he did everything like it's a question, subek, subek, you know, it's all one, including the Buddha. Mm. Um, one day, I went there with Krishnas. For those of you out there who don't know, and you like Chan, find Krishnadas, because he, he, he does that quite well, really mm -hmm. well. Uh, and I took him to see Maharaji because he had a bum knee. He couldn't walk hardly. So he's limping and I'm bring him in. And so he wanted to get some help, which he did. I won't go into that part of the story, but Krishnadas had a book a diary, and in it, he would put pictures of Maharaji and write poems and whatever. He had one thing in it, it was called Mahamudra, one of the great Buddhist uh, texts, okay, about the oneness of, of everything, you know, sure. the beyond two, basically. And Maharaji said to the translator, read that. So he started reading it, and then Maharaji said, Teek, yep, that's right on. <laughs> And then he flipped the page, and there was a picture of him. He said, who's that? And we all, Krishna and I went, you know, it's you. <laughs> he said, nay, Buddha. And our minds got twisted into the place where, okay, this is not a being that's identified with any of that kind of thing, mm. that we project a guru to be or anything like that. This is coming from a place where there is no differences at all and completely absorbed in in that place which is the non-dual but in a body which is extraordinary when you think about right. it so the the thing that the buddha represents is that incredible wisdom right discriminating wisdom um, do it yourself and see inside look inside yourself right self-inquiry get in there mm through practice, through meditative practice, until you realize the truth of Buddha mind. That mixed in with what the other side for us, which was about Hanuman, the monkey god, who is like, he, he said it was just like, uh, Maharaji would say, Christ and Hanuman are one. Service, love for humanity, right? Same thing. It was just, if you talk about mythology, it's just a different myth. Mm -hmm. And um, when you mix those two together, that passionate devotion for absolutely, there's nothing for Hanuman but doing for Ram, God. Nothing but that. And uh, mix that with that wisdom, and it's a kind of a potent brew. That, and we've been doing this over in Maui at these retreats uh, for, with Ramdas for 15 years. Mm. And uh, I now look at it and go, wow, that's, a, that's something really of value. Because sometimes you can get, you know, in either one of those tra traditions on their own, you know, the, the devotional heart thing can get a little bit too, as Trungpa called them, he used to call us, loving lighters, he used to call around us. And us. Trungpa Rinpoche, a great, great Tibetan mm -hmm. lama. Uh, 
And then on the Buddhist side, they can get so crystal clear about the reality that the Buddha presented that you get lost. There's no heart. There's no... But when you put those two things together, you know, I think they're really potent. That was quite a speech. Who the fuck is listening to that? So sorry. If you're listening to this podcast, I'm betting that you already take CBD. And if you already take CBD, I just want to help you explore some of the options. Because as I've looked across, I think there's some opportunities for some great innovations. And we're actually working on one and on it. But in the meantime, the absolute best CBD that I've found is Pure Spectrum CBD. It's the best. They have this product called Black Label that has 5,000 milligrams of CBD. That is a ton, and that allows you so much access to those higher doses, which really help with sleep, that you can really feel, and that aren't gonna get you all accidentally high, because that's the worst when you get really accidentally high from CBD. And maybe you like that, actually, but if you don't like that, and you just want the pure benefits of the CBD, some of the offerings they have from Pure Spectrum are just phenomenal. And I personally like the Black Label. I like all of their creams and salves and rubs and bath soaks and everything they have. So I encourage you guys to check it out. Go to PureSpectrumCBD.com and use the code Aubrey and you'll save yourself 10%. Once again, that's PureSpectrumCBD.com. And remember to use the code Aubrey for 10%. Thanks, fam. Well, what's interesting to me is you're talking about the the oneness of these beings, but the way that we understand them is with different flavors. Yeah, and like so, like yeah. Hanuman has a different flavor. It's all ice cream. I yeah. think I think we kind of get yeah, that. Yeah. Like it's all ice cream, but like there's the Hanuman flavor, there's the Buddha flavor, and then there's the Christ the flavor. Beauty, isn't it? It's beauty. That is beautiful. That's beautiful. And I guess and I guess that's the that is the way that it works on these multidimensional planes, yeah. right? Where it's like it is all one and all of us, you know, are part of that one as well. And I think that's the teaching that everyone had, yeah. right? Is that we're all a part of that. But it's like it, uh, realizing there's the part of that and also loving the particular flavor that the articulations of that yeah. one trickles yeah. down all the way through yeah. the form even the fact that hanuman is a monkey is a flavor it's just a flavor a way that you can taste the one in a slightly different way on your palate and the way that you can taste the oneness of christ or taste the oneness of buddha it just tickles different taste buds but it's all, it's all the same thing. How do we respect each other's taste buds? That would be a good thing, right? <laughs> that would be a real good thing. Instead of killing each other for which taste buds we fucking prefer. Yeah. Over be... thousands of years, yeah. this is going on. Odd. Isn't it odd? I mean, this is being a human. And, and I... So that, I mean, that seems to me like it's just, it's a way, the ego, as far as I understand the ego, especially the dark side of the ego, the ego is a multiplicity. It's just a, it's kind of an archetype that I think you can fill in a lot of different things, but the ego, a a very, you know, a very big part of it is the idea to know itself relatively and to seek superiority, right? Like that seems to be a signature of the ego. I know myself relatively to others and I want to be above those that I know relatively. 
And I think a lot of all of this war and a lot of all of this strife is that I've found something that my ego can identify with, which is this practice, this flavor, and that makes me superior, which gives me the right to kill, torture, you know, put (laughs) down anything else. Because it just, it just, when the ego gets out of control and says like, oh no, now I'm superior and these are the inferior, these are the infidels, this is, this is me. And it's just a way that the ego kind of hijacked the truth the love power 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 okay that's it 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 begins and ends there and you identify with that and then you have what we have and i i would i guess in the you know they have the yugas the hindus the sat yuga we're in the kali yuga which is the last one but seems to be moving quite swiftly along <laughs> that line uh but in the sat yuga everyone knew everyone loved each other you know, everyone had a job. Everyone, I mean, the, the rule of the king was devoted to his subjects to make their lives better. It's hard to imagine. But I think endemic to the human condition is this um, battle mm-hmm. to recognize we are not that thing. Like the ego as a master is a motherfucker, right? But as a servant, pretty good. Mm-hmm. Allows Necessary. us to to take the initiative to do something yeah. for somebody else. Yeah, allows right? us to move our love around. It's yeah. like the car yeah. that we can put our love in, but yeah. it shouldn't be the driver. Yeah, exactly. So, but doing that tr- switch is extraordinarily difficult <laughs> because the ego is grappling and wrestling well, to it, be it, the driver. Fear. Uh, you know, you uh, you know the His Holiness the Dalai Lama said, "What's going to save us is our mothers, is women." compassionate mothers bringing up children is going to save us okay and you had one of those mothers Mm. so now you have a large responsibility Aubrey I felt that and I've always felt like I was never doing enough Mm. and maybe that's because of some dharmic thing that was you know from you know an existence of my soul that's you know whatever or maybe it was just the fact that i had one of those mothers whatever however you want to frame it but i have felt that i have felt this kind of like well fuck i got this i got this these skills and this mom like better do something great but then i can get lost in the self-judgment of i'm not doing enough i'm not doing enough when the whole game is not about what i'm fucking doing it's about who i'm being yeah but you're not like now we're having this conversation which is part of like when your mother's first loved you like this right this is a continuum to this second yeah and you're not taking so seriously the fact that i'm not worthy i did this and that and the other i'm bad 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 right i mean you know it's like ramdas talks about it i i haven't uh, in the movie right his old harvard professor friend says to him dick you haven't changed at all when he had become (laughs) ramdas and ram you know ramdas laughs and says eventually in the movie uh I still have the same neuro- neuroses that I had when I was young, all the way till now. All this work I've done on myself, they're still there. But now they're little schmooze, right? Yeah. They're not, they're not, um, re- the ego is backed off enough so it does not have control to make these things so horrific that, you know, for some people they can't even live. Sure. Right? And for others, it's just a day-to-day fight. And then you've got that 
if you got that ineffable thing to trust that there is something else, then you do the work, whatever it may yeah. be for you, you know, to open up and be able to be of some help to somebody. Yeah. Let's talk about power again for, for a little while, because you you've seen these stories of someone who seems like they have, and, and I, I don't want to cast my judgment on things that I don't really know, but you hear a lot of stories of gurus, or even if you look at the story of Osho, it feels like there was a corruption of power. It feels like mm. somehow power infiltrated and somehow power corrupted that kind of beneficent sense of loving and serving, mm-hmm. and you see this repeated, repeated over, over, over in and every over, tradition in every tradition and and i think all of us have to grapple with that even my spiritual mentor don howard who used the plants he served uh Wachuma, he was a wachumero from the chavin tradition of thousands of years ago revived that served it for 50 years recently passed this year as well mm. and he would always talk about like all of us have to grapple with pow- power will present itself to us and we have to face it and then we have to decide whether we're going to engage the path of power or whether we're going to stick to the path of service and love. Mm-hmm. And it's the choice of somebody or nobody, you know, and just that, mm-hmm. that thing. And it's, it's interesting. In my journeys, you can really feel it when power is there. And it's like a, it's like a strong drug. It's like, it's like syrupy and it's thick and it pulses like the bass of music. And it's like... Uh, and it feels good for a minute and then you're like oh no 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 you know but you can feel it kind of coming on but there's even way. way subtler ways in which it manifests that that's kind of, of gross you feel that thing and you're like what the f-? no forget that you know and you can easily do a turnaround but then maybe not even so easily though because it's it is a it's like a drug it's like you've just gotten a little yeah. bit of heroin yeah. and you're like do I want to keep doing heroin? Mm. And you're like, well, it's fucking heroin. Like, it feels good, but but no, you know. And, and unfortunately, I've in my encounters, I've been able to be like, no, nah, I'm like, not that I haven't gotten lost in the. I think where you're going is the subtle, mm. the subtle parts of power where you're yeah. just subtly tasting, just sipping a little bit. I mean, just consciously, you run a company, sure. You have many employees, and sometimes maybe. You're walking through the halls or whatever, encountering people, however. And maybe that day, somebody ticked you off in the morning, so you're not kind of, you're wrestling with yourself a little bit. And you're more identifying with the boss. Mm. And all of the ought to, I should be, this, that, and the other. And then you might have been... I'm not, you probably never do this, Aubrey. I'm talking about myself, okay? <laughs> I probably have. Whatever you're going to say, I'm sure Just I have. being slightly dismissive, say, in a moment to a person, right? Of course. And that creates polarization, separation, that person, you, inside yourself, the whole thing. So it's something that happens day to day. And that's why mindfulness practice is a good thing. So we can at least be in touch with our motivations on a, on a consistent basis. But it can't be from the, you, know, you just dismissed that person, you shit fuck, what's wrong with you? It mm. cannot be that. No. We are doing that all the time. Yeah. Uh, the real mind fuck is actually not even the, the harsh use of power, the tyrannical use of power, which is very... It's yeah, very blatant, dis- right? Yeah. The, 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 the tricky one, which I had to grab, I had a lot of time in the darkness, obviously. And so like really exploring the ways in which 
power can be given through magnanimity, like through, through mm-hmm. gifts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I gave you this thing. And I can pretend to myself that I'm giving it as a selfless act. But really, there's some element of power of like, yeah, you true. owe me now. Yeah. You yeah, exactly. and there's some part of me that's like you owe me now. Hmm. How about manipulating through tone of voice? Let's get really down now to subtle <laughs> levels. Okay. Oh man. Gee, I've missed you. You've boy, you haven't been here in some time. I, wow. You know, and there's an expectation. There's something that's needed from that person in some fashion. So there's a tone that you watch your tone. That's like you know, it's like throw a little bit of honey here. Uh-huh, you know. Uh-huh. And you see that, you see it going in the air and oh my God. And in relationships too, especially oh. so. And then you, then you dangle something like a sexual experience that you really want. And then you try to ride, you try to ride your truth through that whole thing. And you're intoxicated by your desire. And, you know, I do my best now through all the awareness practices. I do my best to ride the truth through the thing, but... I can catch myself in like little in little ways in which I'm manipulating reality for to get the result that I'm looking for not in a not in a kind of diabolical way but subtle subtle ways you know and it's just like whew, you know like how to how to ride yeah. how to keep awareness like ride with awareness the whole time mm. and always and I think that's a great thing about Ramdas is just loving loving what you see not judging because that's that resistance is just going to cause it to accelerate it's going to compound it you're going to have guilt and then you're going to have to deal with the guilt and you're going to have to go on this thing but just just the awareness and be like okay i see that you really want you really want this sexual experience this is the thing that you're be aware of that love that let's let's maybe yeah Yeah. let's maybe change course it's just okay you're okay you know when i said (laughs) at the beginning of this podcast i mentioned at some point what Ramdas brought back, because we were talking about community, satsang, and the way that he blended that with family, because he, that's what he was thrown into. An, an Indian family is so far different from our family, it's mm. not even funny. Um, and so he, um, I said further in that little post that I did, so he brought all of that, all of the wisdom, the love, all of that. But you know, I said, the one thing, that was the hugest difference maker for me was the fact he brought back, it's okay, you're okay. Because he was so honest with himself in public about himself, all of his foibles. When I first listened to it that time in the studio, when I first met him, and by the way, the post I did, had a, I somehow had a picture of us taken. So it's the first day I met him. Mm-hmm in the radio station, which is kind of cool. It was him saying, it's okay, you're human. We are human. We are going to make mistakes all the time. We are going to have selfish intentions all the time. We are going to have dark thoughts. We are constantly, what is it? When can I get my needs met? It's, it's okay. And in that okay, to me, you just talked about awareness keeping that awareness going you got to have that okay it's okay yeah not 
to the point where you're using it, like bypassing to fuck people, okay, which can happen as well. You got to be honest. And how do you get that kind of honest is practice. Because if it's not okay, you're not going to look at it. Because the penalty that you'll give yourself, the denial of your own love, the punishment that you'll give yourself will cause the subconscious blinding to what you're doing. So you'll be out of awareness until you get to the point where you can love your dark thoughts and love your selfishness. And like you said, not use that as an excuse because that's another manipulation of that. But if you don't have that awareness and that love and that forgiveness, you'll be blind. You will blind yourself. Well, you'll have a very difficult life (laughs) altogether, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, people, and I'm sure people that are listening, and I know people who listen to Mind Rolling, my podcast, they'll all, they can get very tired of too many um, big exultant expressions of the spiritual path big, big ideas that seem beyond the capability of anybody to really embody, right? But the reality is, if you, uh, if you just get a little bit of trust in that intuitive place inside ourselves, that you are going to get presented the kinds of things that are going to support, it's okay, I want that awareness because I don't want to keep hurting myself and other people. So I want to change. And usually that comes, you know, with a bunch of suffering. That's how we change, Mm. you know. Or, I mean, in my case, when I was a kid, I just couldn't understand what was going on. It was horrible, you know. (laughs) It was so, the society and the culture, was the expectations, it was nuts. So just a little bit of trust you know in our intuitive process allows us to be able to have that awareness and pursue it because we you know his holiness the dalai lama my only religion is kindness Mm. so if we can't be that so that's what i mean all kinds of highfalutin terms and spiritual terms and around mindfulness and all of that. Yes, it is good to learn mindfulness. It is good to have a practice. But ultimately, you got to just check in with, don't I want to be kind and give love out? You know, as Ramdas says in the movie, when is what I want enough? When is what I need enough? It's way more interesting to serve. Yeah, yeah. I think I loved when he was talking about when he would look out at the at the day that was coming and he would look with that curiosity like what does god have for me to chew on today you know what's what are the things that are going to hook me today what are the things that are going to hook my attentions yeah. or hook my emotions today what what will i get the opportunity to be aware of and to love you know mm-hmm. and he said that's why he moved to new york city for example you know because there was many things that could hook him and yeah. and dry and he's like ooh good the fire like, let's go, you know, let's, let's steer towards that thing. Cause he was so dedicated to his freedom. Yeah. And so if you're dedicated to your freedom, you can't avoid the things that are going to actually hook you. You can't go, mm. if you're dedicated to the freedom, you can't go to the monastery where everything is, you're isolated. Then you're Buddha back in the palace walls rather mm. than Buddha out there in the world actually mm. becoming truly free, mm. you know? And like, so dealing with your sexual desires and dealing with your, you know, monetary desires and your comfort desires and all of these different things, 
is like, all right, this is my opportunity to practice this mm. loving awareness and release of attachment to the things that are really trying to hook me. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. What were, what were the things, knowing Ramdas? what was his, what were some of his like Achilles heels? Where were the areas that, what were the things that hooked him as a human being? You know, the things that like for him, he would get a little hooked by like, the, I think, I think we all have our own special karmic, uh, you know, things that just get us a little easier. Hmm. Just hook us a little easier. Did he have those things? Well, particularly after the stroke, um, he hated having people to have to help him. He used to say, I wrote a book, how can I help? Now I need a book, how can you help me? <laughs> and he, so he got caught in that place uh-huh. a lot uh, over the time, you know, because like he started, he gave it up more and more in the last couple of years, I could tell. Uh, but if there was, you know, pick up something, he could only use one arm, right? And you'd go to pick that up to get, he'd look at you like, sit down and shut up. And he'd go and he'd do whatever he had to do to get that blade and bring yeah. it or whatever the hell it was. So he, yeah, that was an Achilles heel. The yeah. thing, I am the helper. I am the guy. Uh-huh. You're not the guy, <laughs> even after the stroke. So sure. he had to go, and I would say to him, I would say to him, so you, uh, yeah, you really don't want me to help you here, don't you? You know, I would jive him about it yeah. because uh, God, God knows how much he dri- he jived me in my whole life about <laughs> everything else. Well, he tells so those similar stories, like the story with his aunt, like where that's a. I think it's a very common thing where people. It's very vulnerable. It's very challenging oh, yeah, to be yeah, helped, no, you totally. know, and how, and but, how at the final t- years, yeah. she, she just released yeah. and it was, she was comfortable with yeah, him, exactly. like taking care of her, taking her to the bathroom, washing or wiping or doing the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. And that's a, that's a very difficult yeah, lesson. Very difficult. But I mean, in this case, you're asking, uh, he didn't have a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. He had yeah. far less stuff than most of, course, of us. Of course, he dedicated his life to freedom. Yeah. So, but that was still there. Mm-hmm. It is a normal thing, right? As as you get into a dependent part of your life, that people help to take care of you or help take care of you, and people have many different kinds of reactions to that. And that was one that he was still working through. Hmm. So, how did he wrestle with lust? Because you read a lot of the old texts, and this is like one of those things. And even especially, you know, Hindu texts, different spiritual texts, lust is like one of those things where a lot of, a lot of spiritual traditions, they just push that aside. Like, no, 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 no. Like, don't even fucking engage with that because that's too sticky. And that's what they do in India. You know, they, they put on ochre robes and are very, you and know. nobody can, in, in nobody Buddhist can tradition, nobody can touch a, no, no female can touch a Buddhist monk. You know, it's like they don't even want to engage it because they're like, this is too fucking sticky. Okay, so I'll give you one example. Of that. I mean, the, the reality as far as Ramdas was concerned, he was like all of us. He was dealing with it in the most conscious manner he could possibly do that. And uh, obviously after his stroke, that all changed. And then that was not the kind of problem it had been before. Sure. For just obvious reasons, being paralyzed. Um, half paralyzed. Uh, but... Yeah, this thing in in uh, look what's happening in our culture. I mean, these the recently a, 
a major Buddhist uh, organization um, uh, went completely kaput and as a result of some sexual um, malfeasance by the leader. Mm. And how many times has that happened? In our, I mean, it's like left and right, right? All over the place. And it is true. Uh, that, in, the Hindus say, even a sage can be beguiled by one of those beautiful apsara goddesses that come down and try. Buddha got, you know, he got one too. He got some beautiful women trying to get him out of his samadhi and so on. But he's Buddha, so yeah, you know, we, can, we can depend on him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but um, there are, uh, you know, when you say guru, which means you know, a pointer of the light or opener of the light, you know, guru, whatever that is. But they're more teachers, most of them, because they haven't gone through, gone the beyond where they're the not to, they have not, they are not doing that. So there's very few gurus that are not, that are beyond this issue that we're talking about, mm. lust. It is, it's the biggest, it's the biggie, right? Seems it seems like to it be, to me. yeah, it seems to be, it is the biggie. Um, I, I, I recently met somebody in India, a yogi, 25 years in caves and, you know, uh, the kind of austerity that isn't really done these days much anymore. And he seems to come out the other side. He was, you know, um, he embraces women without fear, okay? And I never saw quite somebody like that who who did that. I, I, I mean... It's, it's extraordinary that somebody seems to have broken through. It is so rare, though, it is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, we are going to, Aubrey, till that last breath, I'm thinking, <laughs> we're, we're going to be in it, right? Yeah, man. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah, you're young, you got it. I, I kept thinking, as I got older now, that that would go away. No. <laughs> I had, I had lunch once with my 85-year-old father, and I'm sitting there having lunch with him in a, pub, in a restaurant, and there's people walking around. And I'm telling him something, and suddenly his, his eyes start doing this. He's following somebody across the thing. I turn my head, and it's a beautiful woman. I go, Dad, now? <laughs> Is this what I'm looking for? This is what I'm looking for at 85, if I ever make it to 85. Yeah, so uh, lust. It's there. And I think it's. So I Greed, guess it's the lust, same thing. attachment, and uh, desire. You know, kamkro, moha, loha is the four things that they, you know, you'll sit down from and say, okay, you got to get through those. Yeah. Yeah. But again, Beating oneself to death in a cave is not going to do it, okay? Mm. And perhaps being, you know, just, it's just, as you said before, awareness. Yeah. We've got to bring that to the table and we've got to develop it in a way it's not a judgmental awareness. That's why I love Ram Dass's, I am loving awareness mm-hmm. from, from deep inside. Loving awareness yeah. of his lust, loving awareness yeah. of his Yeah, and of you're embracing greed, it. You're not pushing it away. Yeah. 
I mean, you're not also, you know, going... Indulging. Indulging it, you know. And then you are, and it's okay, you know, mm. I did that. Maybe I needed to get through that. But kind to oneself, <laughs> compassion mm. and kindness. Attachment is, and I know we'll wrap this up here pretty soon, but attachment is another one that's really tricky because I think what I noticed in myself is one of the re one of the things that was keeping me from my happiness and keeping me from love and keeping me from enjoying this life was the knowledge that I had to let it go. And so there's a protection mechanism that comes in and says, no, 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 you got to die. You got to let it all go. So just don't quite love it so much. It won't be so painful mm. when it leaves. And that's fucked up. <laughs> I don't want that. I want to love it fully. And yeah. it's going to go anyways. Yeah. It's going to go either way. So you either, you either are living a life protecting yourself from the inevitable, or you actually really live your life and live it in a way that it's so full that you can go smiling to the beyond. Yeah. It's in the movie, Becoming Nobody, which yeah. you said, by the way, you gave us that wonderful quote. This is like, especially if you're going through stuff, this is something you can watch repeatedly to bring you back into, especially the part about death, which is what you're talking about right now. I mean, unless you fully embrace the impermanence of life, you can't live fully f to fulfill your dharma of everything you're supposed to do in this life and everything you're supposed to be for everybody around you. So embracing it is extraordinarily important and very difficult because the idea, oh shit, no body. I mean, you get it on acid, you know, you look down, oh fuck, there's no body, what? Yeah. I, had, I had a trip, this is really, we're on a podcast and I'm forgetting <laughs> about it. Um, I had a trip of some really strong acid, you know, of course, decades ago. Um, but... I lost the body, everything went away, it's good, no uh -huh. problem. Uh -huh. Then a thought came, oh shit, no body, no sex. And bang, gone yeah. into a, I skitzed out for about two hours wow. into this, like, I, well, partially it was my friend who I went and I said to him, because we took, <laughs> I must have been like, like way more than anybody takes it. I'm a Czechoslovakian I asked it, it was at least five or six hundred micrograms. Wow. You know, I took two. And I went to my friend and I said, you think everything's okay? <laughs> you, <laughs> he looked at me and he went, I don't know. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> I was gone. Then so, fear creeps in. Yeah, right. So yeah, that, that, that has all to be dealt with, that fear of, of death. Of, of the, of, we are no longer going to exist because the thing we think should be existing is the thing in life that we, we need to understand that is not who we are. So that's the beauty of working on yourself mm. is to get to that place now not not when you're you know five years away or whenever it gets sick whenever it's you know then it gets difficult to to practice yeah one of the things that i really appreciated was he gave a talk talking about the two ways that you can kind of get to that oneness and it's neti neti i'm not that mm -hmm. i'm not my body mm -hmm. i'm not the thought mm -hmm. i'm not this thing i'm not that or tatwa masia i am that i am that so it's both both ways get it's like both yeah, ways but it's not get i am that it's not the the i am not that that it's a different yeah. that i am that is shiva soham i am that which is beyond duality 
Okay, I am not that is I am not that which is in duality. Right. I mean, it's one way to say it. Right. Yeah. So it's it's just very interesting how everything and nothing ultimately converge in the same thing. Yeah. It's all the one. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's one, a, is, many one is the yeah, game. Many different ways to get to the peak of the mountain, but yeah. you get there. Doesn't yeah. matter. <laughs> and that's the beautiful thing of when he was talking about the guru who doesn't care how long it takes, which allows no, which no allows trouble. you to love someone exactly as they are. Oh, this lifetime? Cool. Next one? Cool. Yeah. A thousand more? Yeah. That's cool, But of too. course, unless you're really living some of that, it's meaningless. Well, yeah, right. <laughs> it's so an intellectualization. Well, might as well fucking enjoy it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We're all going home. Yeah, right. <laughs> We're all going home. Right. But to me, might as well keep thinking of the way in which we are so locked into serving ourselves, right? Getting what we want. We are so locked into that. So keep thinking about, to me, I mean, it's what I say to myself. I, okay, it's that, it's, again, I go back. When is what you need and what you want enough? That's a good mantra, I mm-hmm. think. When is what you need and what you want enough? Enough. Stop. Is okay. You know, sit back a little bit yeah. and just allow some spacious awareness to come in. And then you're not, you know, the idea of service, by the way, is as soon as you start to think of somebody else, you stop thinking about yourself. You know why I go to India every year? Because I go somewhere, I know where to go where I can plug in and I'm not thinking about myself mm-hmm. or the future or the past for at least, you know, a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's the refresher that we can all do in one way or another, in some ceremony or another, in some course or another, whatever. But we got to take that time, you know. Otherwise, it's just lost in me, me land. Duncan and I are working on a a book about this, by the way. Mm -hmm. Uh, Krishnas has a great thing that he talks about so i stole it from him it's called the movie of me you wake up in the morning you're the hero you're the villain you're the director you're the writer you're the producer and it goes on 24 (laughs) 7 just watch it and you see so at some point you go when is that enough you know and you start to think how do we get to the we you know and you know what the we is one small thing of what the we is, is like, we're just here together. I'm, you know, you're a few feet away from me. We're eye to eye contact and we're giving each other complete attention. Now, some of it's because it's a podcast and, you know, we're being on in some way. Ah, it wasn't too different wasn't, than that lunch we had. No, <laughs> it wasn't at all. Well, you know, uh, yeah, we have a nice, uh, a nice little thing going where we're free, you know, with each other. So, but that kind of attention, that's, that's what I got from Ramdas when I first met him. There was yeah. nothing else. He wasn't being Richard or Ramdas. He was being here for me, and there was one pool, okay? In that, that's what we need to aspire to, right? And you can just start with the attention's a big thing. You know that from mm-hmm. all your relationship stuff that mm-hmm. I've seen you talk about. Attention is huge, right? The, the most generous thing you can do in life is give someone full attention. 
So you just start with those little kind of things. This is not a spiritual thing, mm. right? Very practical, pragmatic. Yeah. And that's what I'm into. I love it. Can we do like a bunch more of these podcasts? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, you're here every once in a while yeah, in LA. for sure. And well, you got to come to Ojai and we got to do one out there. Yeah. As soon as I get my great. studio together. That'd be great. And sit in one of the satsangs. Yeah. Thank you, Raga. Thank you Thank for you your all, service. Great. Thanks for putting everything out. Thanks for keeping, you know, the teachings and the essence and offering your own and all your wisdom and just deeply appreciate, you know, the work that you and Ramdas and Maharaji, everybody's that's contributed the whole mm. thing. It's yeah. the, the, the thing. The yeah. thing. Appreciate the whole thing. So thank yeah. you. Well, appreciate you too. From the minute I became aware of you before our mutual friend Duncan mm-hmm. and what you're doing is just fabulous. Thank you, brother. Thank you. All right. So anything, uh, you got a couple podcasts you want to let people know where they well, can Well, uh, you know about, uh, well, there's a Be Here Now Network. We go to BeHereNowNetwork.com and we have amazing, amazing Jack Cornfield, Sharon Salzberg, Krishna Das, Ram Das, and I have a mind-rolling podcast where I talk to different people every week. Mm-hmm. So we have that, and we have ramdas.org if you want to get further into Ramdas. And uh, once you go there, you'll find a host of other lovely offerings that we yeah. do, online courses. and Yeah, just sign up. Get up on the Ramdas list, and you'll hear all about it. Beautiful. Retreats and everything. Yeah, awesome. you got it. May 21, Aubrey, in Ojai, California. Cool. Okay. We're doing a spring retreat there. Beautiful. Sounds good to me. (laughs) All right. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning into this show, everybody. I really encourage you guys to dive into everything that is Ram Dass's work. His legacy is incredible. I listen to the Be Here Now podcast all the time, which Ragu hosts. He also has the Mind Rolling podcast, which is his own ideas, and you'll get more flavor from Ragu himself, as well as the Love Serve Remember Foundation. And love yourself. Tell the truth. Love yourself. Love everybody. Tell the truth. That's the message here. I love you guys. Thanks so much.